Please turn your full attention with me to Isaiah 41. Isaiah 41. I want to encourage our people tonight to be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. This is a time when people can be discouraged and cast down, but God's people have hope in the Word of God, and we want to be strong in the Lord. Isaiah 41 is a time where God's people can renew their strength and a place to find comfort. Isaiah 41, will you look at verse number 1? Join me in the supreme court of heaven as God calls the court to order. That is the first words in in chapter 41. As God calls order in the court, he says, Keep silence before me, O islands, and let the people renew their strength. Let them come near, then let them speak. Let us come near together to judgment. This is God speaking through his prophet Isaiah, the prince of the prophets who led God's people Judah in the great revivals under Hezekiah, also in calling God's people back to God many times. Isaiah is a man who is used here to call upon the nations, the islands, the faraway regions to come before the Lord. It is, as I said, the supreme court of heaven convening and the judge of all the earth shall do right. After it says, keep silence before me, O islands, it says, and let the people, that's God's people, renew their strength. Now, you've just read in, in the previous verse, if, you've, if you're reading through the Bible, that would be chapter 40, the previous chapter, verse 31, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That's right. The passage that's so well known, that mountain peak of Scripture, is right before this. In chapter 40, look at verse 28, hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint. And this is a text that God wants to empower those who are faint. And to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles, and they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Chapter 41, Keep silence before me, O islands, and let the people renew their strength. Let them come near, then let them speak. And what are they to say? Let us come near together. Let us be unified as we come together to judgment. Now, I would point out to you this evening that this is a passage where in God's courtroom, God is presenting to his people Judah that he is about to raise up a ruler that will be from Persia, a man that in this text is not yet named. Chapter 41 does not give his name. Chapter 44 does. When you turn to chapter 44, you learn that this man's name, verse 28, is Cyrus. It says of him, He is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure. Now, when the Persians came, this is a, a prophecy given by Isaiah. When the Persians came, they will overthrow the Medes, they will overthrow the Babylonians, they will overthrow the whole known world. 
and the Persian Empire will be set in place. God calls him in chapter 44, Cyrus, he is my shepherd. Now, that's because of what Cyrus would do as God's servant for Israel. Cyrus would be the one who gives the order for the rebuilding of the temple of Jerusalem after the return. He would give the order to restore the vessels to the house of God, which Nebuchadnezzar took out of the house of God. And he would provide funding and give cedar trees from Lebanon to rebuild the house of God. Now, this person is mentioned in Isaiah 41, the next verse. God calls the world to order, and he speaks about this man Cyrus without using his name that he's going to raise up. Verse 2, God says that God, verse 2, who raised up the righteous man from the east, called him to his foot, gave the nations before him, and made him rule over kings. He gave them as the dust to his sword and as driven stubble to his bow. By the might of his army, God allowed Cyrus, or would allow Cyrus, to rule over and take over the Babylonian Empire and set up the Persian. Now, number one, I want to point out that God still governs in the affairs of men. God still governs in the affairs of men. It's God who will raise up this ruler. He's called all the nations together and his people Israel to comfort them, to renew their strength by reminding them, I'm still in charge. Do you remember back in the days we hear about of the Constitutional Convention? Benjamin Franklin spoke about um, God and how much our nation needs God. He said, Mr. President, the small progress we have made after four or five weeks, close attendance and continual reasonings with each other, are different sentiments on almost every question. Several of the last producing as many no's as eyes is, methinks, a melancholy proof of the imperfection of the human understanding. Benjamin Franklin said we're a divided nation, at least in this room of the, of the Constitutional Convention. We have as many people on votes saying no as yes. He goes on to say, I have lived, sir, a long time, and the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth, that God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? Now, Benjamin Franklin was saying, God governs in the affairs of men, and that is the point of verses 1 to 3. It is that God is on the throne, God is in his high courtroom. The judge of the earth shall do right. And he says, I'm going to raise up a righteous man. He would be a Gentile. He would be a man from the east who had never been beyond the Euphrates River before. And the Bible says, verse 3, he pursued them, the other armies, and passed safely even by the way that he had not gone with his feet. He'll be on the other side of the Euphrates now. Uh, driving into the, the Babylonian Empire taking over nations. And the Bible tells us that this man would do God's pleasure. Now, who is it that raised up Cyrus? Well, it's God. It is God. That's why verse 2 says that God was the one who raised up the righteous man from the east. Verse 4 says, 
who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning, I the Lord, the first and the last, I am He. Do you know that this should be a strengthening of your heart? What are you talking about, Pastor? That God is in charge of history. God is in charge of world history, American history, and the history we're living through right now. God says, who is it that brought Cyrus, is going to bring Cyrus to the throne? By the way, Cyrus hadn't even been born yet. This is prophecy when this was written. Cyrus, his name is given in chapter 44, long before his birth. God is saying, I'm in charge of the future prophecy. I'm in charge of history. Isn't it good to know that your God is in charge of the world? He runs the show, the Ancient of Days has not grown old or become senile or lost touch. Maybe you think things aren't going well. Well, God has not lost control. God still is on the throne. So sometimes we feel like David. Oh, that I had wings like a dove, for then would I fly away and be at rest. I was talking to a lady at a plant nursery just yesterday, and she told me sometimes I just don't even feel like getting out of bed anymore. Well, let me tell you, if you have and serve a risen Savior, there is a life to live for Him, for His glory. You can get out of bed knowing that this day is the day that the Lord hath made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And this passage says, by way of renewing the strength of God's people, He says, keep silent before me. I call everyone to judgment. I have a man that I'm bringing up to rule and reign upon the Persian Empire, and he's going to be good for my Jewish people and restore them to their land. Now, uh, this is a, a ruler, Cyrus, who will win with war and kill and conquer. And who is raising him up? God says in verse 4, I the Lord. Who... Who is it that gave Cyrus the power to crush the nations before them? I, the Lord. Who gives him world domination? And God says, I did. Who puts all other kings at his feet? Well, that's verse 2. God made him rule over kings. God says, I do. History is still God's story. It's not blind chance. Survival of the fittest. No, history still revolves around our Lord. Now, I would remind you that in John chapter 19, Pilate, speaking to Jesus, right before Jesus' crucifixion, Pilate said to Jesus, Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee and have power to release thee? He said, Jesus, do you know who I am? I have your life in the palm of my hand. I can do with you what you will. Jesus answered in John 19.11, Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me except it were given thee from above. Pilate said, Don't you know who I am? And Jesus says, Pilate, I hate to tell you this, but you're just a servant accomplishing the will of the Father. Because it's the Father who said that he sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. God is still on the throne. God, number one, still governs in the affairs of men. And in a troubled world of Isaiah's day, 
700s BC, God's people had, had hard times, but found comfort and strength in knowing God still governs in the affairs of men. Number two, I'd like you to see that in God we trust, but the world still trusts in the work of their own hands. Number two, in God we trust, but the world still trusts in the work of its own hands. Look at verse 5. The Bible says, The isles saw it and feared. The ends of the earth were afraid, drew near, and came. And uh, so you can see the panic uh, during this time as Cyrus is going to be raised up and he's going to come down upon the nations around him. The Bible says the isles saw it, feared, were afraid. Now, where do you go when you're fearful? Who do you turn to? Who do you trust in? How does life work when suddenly life changes? Well, the Bible tells us how the Gentiles reacted, how they responded. Verse number 6, they helped everyone his neighbor. That doesn't sound bad, does it? It sounds like uh, unity. And everyone said to his brother, be of good courage. Sounds like they're encouraging one another. But how did they do it? Can you figure it out? Look at verse 7. It's a bit of a puzzle. So the carpenter encouraged the goldsmith. You wonder what was the goldsmith doing? And he that smootheth with the hammer him that smote the anvil, saying, It is ready for the soldering. And he fastened it with nails that it should not be moved. So in their panic and their fear, they turned to... And you figure it out? What are they hammering? What are they covering with gold? What are they covering with silver? Soldering. They're making idols. In God we trust, but in times of trouble, the world still trusts in the work of its own hands. Did you know some people turn to religion but not to the God of the Bible when trouble comes? Here are people putting gold plating over idols. And they're encouraging one another. The carpenter is saying, oh, wow, wonderful job to the goldsmith. That nose on that idol is so realistic. Oh, those ears look just like the God's ears as I imagine them. Yes, but the ears can't hear. The eyes are so perfect. Yes, but they can't see. In fact, in the text, it's ironic. It says that they fastened it with nails that it shouldn't be moved. What's God saying? You've increased your number of deities. Why are you using nails? So they won't tip over? It's, help us, O Ashtaroth! Are you kidding? It can't even help you. It can't even move. Do you remember? You nailed it to the ground. Well, the world, in its fear, turns to trust in something, anything other than God. This is the history from the time tells us that when Cyrus did threaten Babylon... The leader of Babylon went down into southern Mesopotamia and ransacked the villages and towns and cities and brought all the gods from those areas back to Babylon and collected gods so that he could have spiritual strength against Cyrus, the one that God raised up. Well, of course, it didn't work. And I ask you, we're more sophisticated, aren't we? We don't trust in images or idols. But where is our trust? Well, during times of trouble, do you turn to God? Do, do you, are you walking with Him closely? In the Word of God, 
you know, science is, is a great blessing. Science is how God is at, has worked in our world and set things up. But in our age, fear can drive us to trust in science uh, rather than God. Did you know that the folks in the white coats can't save us? Did you know science, technology is helpful. It's a great blessing. It can be. But that's not where our hope is. Our hope is in the Lord. And I want to encourage you. Remember, in God we trust. The world trusts in the work of its own hands. Number three, and finally, I want to point out that this text is telling us, be not afraid, it is He. Be not afraid, it is He. Verse four says, Who hath wrought and done it, calling the generations from the beginning? I, the Lord, the first, and with the last I am He. God saying, I'm at work behind the scenes, bringing everything pass one step at a time in your life. God says, I've ordered it. I've wrought it. Nothing is out of my plan. As for God, His way is perfect. Calling the generations from the beginning. Did you know God's been around from the beginning and prior to that for all eternity? I, the Lord, the first and with the last. I am He. Oh, never was the book of, of Revelation clearer. In Revelation, we see a third of the world population being destroyed in judgment. Did you know today, during a time of uh, world upheaval, when when death counts are held before us uh, in times of a pandemic, we've we've never seen something like this in our lifetimes, and yet now we can see that. Uh, that uh, there are numbers held before us. Can you imagine during the time of the book of Revelation, the death count, a third of the world, maybe maybe at that time, just guessing, two billion people on the death count? How terrifying. And yet John 14 says, I've told you before it come to pass that when it has come to pass, you might believe. God gives us prophecy. It reassures our heart. We know where we stand. In this passage, it says, that God says, I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am He. Well, what does it mean? Alec Matyer, commentary writer, says, pagan gods often belong to a pagan tree of gods. But Jehovah has no genealogy. There's no one that Jehovah descended from. I am the first and with the last. He's here, he's here to stay. In the end, he is there with his people still. And so when Persia took over the world, where did God's people find security? Where would they find security? In the one who was and is first and with the last. Would you turn your Bibles to Mark chapter 6? Mark chapter 6, verse 45. Mark chapter 6, verse 45. There is something very interesting about the wording in Isaiah 41 when God says that he's the one who sets up kings, he governs in the affairs of men, we're not to be like the Gentile nations trusting in the work of our own hands. And he says, who is the one who's wrought and done all this? He said, I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. Well, Mark chapter 6 is a story we're very familiar with. It is the story of Jesus walking on the sea. Now, it's different from Mark 5, when there was 
trouble on the sea, and they were like to die. In Mark 6, they're not dying. They're not, their lives are not in jeopardy, but they're not getting anywhere either. Mark 6, verse 45, says, And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship to go to the other side, before unto Bethsaida, while he sent away the people. And when he sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when even was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on the land, and he saw them toiling in rowing. For the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by them. And when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it had been a spirit, and cried out, for they all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked with them, and saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. Now this is God, Jesus, comforting his people. Now, we are a little bit at a disadvantage. We sometimes know our New Testament a little better than our Old Testament. Who is it that walks on the sea? Well, the Jewish mind that knew the Jewish scriptures would have known Job 9.8, where it speaks of one who alone spreadeth out the heavens and treadeth upon the waves of the sea. It speaks of who is that? It's God. Psalm 77.19, Thy way is in the sea, and thy path in the great waters, and thy footsteps are not known. Again, God walks on the sea. Isaiah 43, verse 16, Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea, and a path in the mighty waters. You see, the Jewish mind had at least three times been told God walks on the waters. And Jesus did this, walked on the waters a couple different times that we know of in the Gospels. And here in, in Mark 6, what is Jesus doing? Trampling down the waves, walking through the storm. What do you think the early church thought of as they read this passage of Scripture in Mark. Don't you think it reminded them that there is no barrier that can keep Jesus back from coming to his people in their time of need? You know, that, that makes a difference, doesn't it? Jesus makes a way through the sea to his people, for his people. It makes a difference when you're in the storm, when you're needing Jesus. And the Bible says in Mark 6, verse 50, they all saw him. They all heard him. He said, be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. You know, it's interesting. As a little boy, I, I remember seeing my dad. I would be sometimes scared in the night, but I would see him walk past my doorway, and I knew dad was there. You know, some, sometimes you've noticed different people have walks that are distinctive. Well, I could tell my dad's walk even if I only saw his silhouette, I knew my dad's walk. You know, the same thing, you know someone's voice. Now, people, uh, the voices, accents sound different, don't they? Uh, someone can be talking about, uh, I remember the first time I heard of someone washing their car, and I thought, what is washing their car? Are they going to get some water, some water? In the north, they talk about, uh, they're going to get their shopping cart, but down south it's sometimes called a buggy. Uh, they're going to park the car. Uh, there's there's different ways people talk. Did you know that Jesus talks a certain way? He says, I am he. You find this type of wording in Isaiah 
several times. It's distinctive. It's a way that you can recognize who is talking. In Isaiah, it's a beautiful, beautiful phrase, I am he. It's God's calling card. Isaiah 41, verse 4, it's our text. I, the Lord, the first and with the last, I am he. You've got to turn over to Isaiah 43, verse 10, where the Bible says, Know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall there be after me. Isaiah 43, verse 13, just a few verses over. Yea, before the day was, I am he. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? And then also Isaiah 48, verse 12. Isaiah 48, verse 12, where God says, Hearken unto me, O Jacob and Israel, my called. I am he. I am the first. I also am the last. Now, that may sound a little bit strange to our American ears, but I am he. It's how Jehovah God refers to himself as the only true God. And Jesus meets his people. That that, uh, night, it was when he walks out on the water and they hear him say in that fourth watch of the night, they all see him, they're scared. He immediately says, be of good cheer, it is I. It is I. Be not afraid. It's, it's God's voice in the storm. You know, this, this kind of truth does not make you immune to troubles or to disasters. But in a world that has its hand hovering over the panic button, it is an encouragement because in the storm, you can still hear the voice of your Lord saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. This is the God we need. There's no one like Him. He is all we need. And oh, how we do need Him. In the storms, He comes walking to His people on the sea. This is to be a renewing of the strength of God's people. God says, I am the one that still governs in the affairs of men. Everything is under my control. Number two, God says, the world trusts in their idols. My people trust in me. And number three, we have seen that great truth that God himself comes to his people through the storms and says, be not afraid. It is I. I want to close by issuing a warning and a challenge to God's people. Just because of the day we're living in right now, we're, we're having people who have time at home. It was just today that the, I believe the governor of Tennessee, Governor Lee, has told us that public schools will be staying out of school until the 24th of April considerably longer, probably that means there won't be school for the rest of the year. That means there's going to be idle time. There's time to ourselves. There's individuals who are not in work right now. They're quarantined at home. Um, This is almost like what it's like to be a missionary on the mission field. You're kind of by yourself. You're cut off. 
you may feel feel alone if you're on the mission field. But I want to point out that there can be dangers when we have time or too much time. I want to challenge God's people to be faithful in serving the King of Kings. He has strengthened you by His Word this very evening. He has told you He's still in control and to continue to trust Him, and He walks through the sea to His people. Be not afraid. But in our time where maybe there's change, can I challenge and warn us, let's not get away from routine and structure. Let's structure our lives and be faithful by having, number one, daily Bible time with God. Daily Bible time with God. Satan wants to use idle time to get us off our normal course into places where we'll get in trouble. We must have regular Bible time with God. Number two, would you pray for our missionaries? Pray for Tim and Becca Lewis on the field in Papua New Guinea. Pray that God will help uh, uh, renew Mrs. Lewis's strength as she's just gotten over strep and help Brother Lewis in the field. Pray for our missionaries, Ganesh Kumar in India, whose wife is in uh, is uh, is threatened by death right now because of her physical health having grown so weak. Pray for our missionaries. Number three, would you pray and fast for the needs of our building? Recently, I've challenged the church that there's nothing too hard for the Lord, nothing at all. Would you pray that God will meet the need of our church? in a miraculous way so that the young people will look back one day and see what a great and mighty God we have and say, do you remember what God did for his people when he provided the building that we needed? Number four, set goals. One of the greatest ways to accomplish much when you have extra time is to set goals of work around the house, goals as a family, reading goals. Get some books, read. Maybe you who play instruments, set some goals on the piano or on instruments, and last of all, write letters of encouragement one to another. One of the things that I most miss when I'm not at church during the week is what the Bible calls exhorting one another so much the more. We need to be with God's people. We miss the encouragement and exhortation of God's people. One of the greatest things you can do is write letters and encourage one another during this time. And I want to challenge you not to forget that the God who we serve is still on the throne. He still gives power to the faint. To those who have no might, he still increases strength. He's in control, and he walks on the water to his people. Let's be not afraid. Let's stand strong and be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might, renewed in strength through his word. Father, thank you for the power of your word to renew the strength of your people. I pray that you would build us up in the most holy faith and help us to walk uprightly in this time. We love you. It is a privilege to serve the king. We know you're still on the throne. We look forward to bowing down before the throne one day. We want to serve you till your son comes to take us home. In Jesus' name, amen.